You're listening to Audio Divina, reflecting on the Sunday Gospel with Father Francis J. Maloney. In this episode, we begin reflecting on the Gospels for Ordinary Time with Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, 21 to 22, where John the Baptist points away from himself to the mightier one who brings the fire and the Holy Spirit. We begin with the reading of the text from Lisa. A feeling of expectancy had grown among the people, who were beginning to wonder whether John might be the Christ. So John declared before all of them, I baptise you with water, but someone is coming who is more powerful than me, and I am not fit to undo the strap of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now it happened that when all people had been baptised, and while Jesus after his own baptism, was at prayer. Heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, today I have fathered you. We will now hear a reflection on the text from Father Maloney. In today's celebration of the baptism of the Lord, we cross several years in the life of Jesus and we cross from the period of Christmas into the ordinary times of the year. And we will begin reading the Gospel of Luke. And that Gospel will dominate most of our readings with a few interventions from other Gospels across the whole of this year C. The account of the baptism of the Lord in the Gospel of Luke is typical of Luke's telling of a story. In the first place, the coming of Jesus is always something that's met with excitement and expectation. But the expectation that the people have is wrong. For Luke, God's history is in set periods. There's a long period of preparation that is marked by the Old Testament culminating in the ministry of John the Baptist. Before the ministry of John the Baptist, all the figures in Luke's infancy story were part of the Old Testament story of the saints of Israel, awaiting for God's gracious intervention, so long hoped for. And you can realize or understand why the people thought that in the figure of John the Baptist, this Christ may be coming. He, however, must be joined with Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna, and in some ways, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, understands her role as a bridge between the old and the new. But the coming of the new in the person of Jesus is already announced by these representative figures of the old. Simeon, on taking Jesus into his arms, recognizes this in the temple when he says, Now, Master, you can let your servant go in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This is not simply an old man in the temple asking the Lord 
to allow him to die now. This is the whole of Israel's expectation, the whole of Israel's sacred story, saying to God, my time is over. Now I'm happy to go in peace as you usher in the new era, for your salvation is now among us. Similarly, later in the Gospel, in chapter 16 of the Gospel of Luke, Luke himself would comment, up to the time of John, we had the law and the prophets. But since then, the kingdom of God has been preached. So we are not just talking about an event that happened in the past as we celebrate this feast, but we are marking the passing of one era into another. The crossing of a threshold from the old world into the new. But the crowd mistakenly thinks that John the Baptist might be the Messiah because of his fierce preaching and this baptism of repentance. But John tells them that they are wrong. John recognizes his place in God's saving history, the end point of the law and the prophets and the beginning point of a new era. He only prepares the way. He is the precursor. He speaks of what he has done and what he is fit to do in the present tense. He says, I baptize you with water. I am not fit to undo the strap of his sandals. He is only able to baptize with water, performing an ancient ritual, symbolic conversion and repentance. The use of the immersion in water is not something that begins with Christian baptism. And the baptism of Jesus and the baptism administered by John the Baptist is not the baptism that we know as Christians. It is a symbolic putting of oneself under the water and arising from the waters as a symbol of one's repentance and desire for forgiveness. That's what the Baptist proclaims and does. He's not even worthy to perform the most menial of tasks for the one who is to come. But what Jesus will do is explained in the future tense. Someone is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this someone who is coming is described as someone who is more powerful than I am. And the use of that expression, more powerful, looks back to an Old Testament expression, the more powerful one, the all-powerful one, which of course refers to the presence of God. So this one who will come, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He points beyond his own time to the future time of the presence of the mightier one in his son. And this baptism is not a baptism of repentance, a baptism calling people to conversion. It is a baptism that transforms people as if by fire and the Holy Spirit. And this reference to the Holy Spirit goes back to the very first verse in the book of Genesis. 
when the author describes the earth as a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. God's creative action at the beginning of all history was marked by the presence of the Spirit. God's creative action in and through Jesus, in the baptism that Jesus will bring and has brought into all of our lives, is marked by the Spirit. It is a new time. It is the time of God. Then at Jesus' baptism, two events take place. One can be seen and the other one can be heard. As I've just mentioned, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus is described as the descent of a dove. The theme of the dove also looks back to the book of Genesis and the story of Noah where it is the dove that brings the good news of what the scholars call a second creation story. The first creation story was marked by the presence of the Spirit sweeping over the waters. The second creation, after God has decided to destroy all of his failed creation, but gives Noah to make a new start, is marked by the presence of a dove announcing that that action of God has come to an end. That's what is seen, a new creation. But then something is heard. A voice from heaven announces, You are my son, the beloved. The one expected by Zechariah, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Simeon, Anna and Mary across Jesus' infancy story, is no longer expected, but he is among us. His presence will be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit, which, like fire, will inspire us and also divide us. Some of us will say yes, and some of us will say no to this offer of God's presence. He is the beloved Son of God, however, and God's favour rests upon him. Of course, the arrival of Jesus that we celebrate today as he begins his public ministry is not the end of the story of Jesus. It is but the beginning. One part of God's history has come to an end, but another is about to begin as we begin our ordinary times of the year. The wonder of God's first coming among us has been joyfully celebrated over the Christmas period. Now we are called to take on the challenge of our baptism, to live lives that reflect our belief that God is truly among us in Jesus. Jesus' baptism begins his messianic presence as the beloved Son of God, bringing the Spirit and God's favour to our story. But it also brings fire. It also brings challenge. It also asks us to look constantly at the good we are doing in our lives, at the harm we are doing in our lives, and summons us to continually return to this one, the beloved 
upon whom God's favour rests. So as we begin our year, we are challenged to recall our own baptism, where we too were made into sons and daughters of God, where we were filled with the Holy Spirit and commissioned to bring both God's favour and God's fire by our courageous Christian presence into our challenging world. However simple this story from the Gospel of Luke may appear, it sets a program for the year that lies ahead of us. We now recommend 10 to 15 minutes of personal reflection on what you've just heard. Please pause the track now and press play when you're ready to return. We conclude with a reading of the text from Thomas. A feeling of expectancy had grown among the people who were beginning to wonder whether John might be the Christ. So John declared before them all, I baptise you with water, but someone is coming who is more powerful than me, and I am not fit to undo the strap of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now it happened that when all the people had been baptised, and while Jesus, after his own baptism, was at prayer, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in physical form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, today I have fathered you. Thanks for listening to Audio Divina. Special thanks to our readers for the episode, Lisa McConnon and Thomas Bahaja. If you would like to contact Father Maloney or the podcast team, please write to us at audiodivina at salesians.org.au.